Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. In the midst of any journey or battle or mission, there always comes a point when the difficulty seems to rise, when the terrain becomes a little bit harder to navigate, when the challenges seem insurmountable, where the skills or the strategies or the tools that you would use to get you to this point just don't seem sufficient to move you forward in the future. And it's in moments like those where your courage flags a little bit, where your strength seems to fail a little bit. And we've all been in places like that as individuals, uh, but we also get in places like that as groups, as, orga, uh, as uh, organizations, as churches as well. And one of the best and the most powerful things that you can do in that moment is before you push ahead, before you tackle any new challenge, is to stop and to pause and to look back to look back at all the challenges that you've already overcome, to look back at all the miles that God has already brought you, to look back and see the moving and working hand of God. And you see this all throughout the Bible. We see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when they are saved by God in a miraculous way, they build a monument, a physical monument in remembrance of that so that their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren can remember the faithfulness of their God. Uh, when God leads Israel through the desert and feeds them miraculously with manna, he says, hey, Moses, take some of that manna and place that manna in a jar and place that jar in the Ark of the Covenant because Israel's gonna get to a place again in the future where they, where they can't depend on themselves. They're gonna get to a place, a need, a place of danger where all they have to depend on is their God and they need to remember, they need to be reminded that they serve a God that supplies that they serve a God that provides. Joshua, when, Jesus, uh, when, when God uh, broke through the water of the Jordan River and led them into the promised land, he told them to set up a 12 stones as a monument to God's faithfulness because Israel would need to remember even in the promised land. In Psalm 77, the writer is in a really, really tough spot. He says this in verse one, he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. So he's facing a new challenge. He's in a place where he can't rely on his strength or his wisdom. But he says this, I know exactly what to do in this moment. He said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You're the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people. He says, no matter where I find myself, no matter where you've called me in the future, no matter what challenges I'm facing, I can look back at what you have done and be assured that there is no one like my God. 
And so that's what we want to do for a moment here this week. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, uh, but the world is a very different place than it was just a few short years ago. And it seems like almost everything has changed. And that includes certain aspects of our church as well. Uh, Those of you who are relatively new to Hope won't know this, uh, but just in the past 18 months, we've had to navigate some tough territory. We had to face a global pandemic where we shut our doors. Uh, We had to, to disciple people and pastor people through racial tensions and political unrest. Uh, We had to open our doors again, not knowing what ministry um, after COVID would be like. Uh, We experienced the transition and the retirement of our founding and lead pastor after 27 years of ministry. Uh, We experienced the placement of new leaders to fill that void. And now we have the challenges of trying to figure out what ministry or what church looks like in a post-COVID world. And you know, the pandemic alone was enough to close the doors of tons of churches permanently. I've talked with church planners this year who I can hear just crying over the phone who've had to make that tough decision. But week in and week out through the past 18 months, when the wheels could have easily fallen off, I've just been amazed at the kindness and the grace that God has for some reason chosen to show our church, our family. You know, every week uh, we have a staff meeting where all the staff from all the different campuses come together. And the first thing that we do is we share wins. We share stories of how God is transforming lives through our ministry and through you guys. And I thought in the back of my mind, once we entered into COVID, those wins are gonna slowly become few and far between over the next few months. But what we found was actually the opposite. That week after week after week, those stories of life changed, those wins, they kept pouring in almost like never before. And it really got to a point where we, the leaders at a church, were just like, this is not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. Uh, when our doors were shut, even though we didn't have weekend services here in person, there were multiple times where we had to warm up the baptismal waters because lives were changed and they wanted to go public with their faith. I baptized the guy in a public school. That is not normal, but it's, it's true that a closed building does not stop a faithful God. It's not normal during a time of financial instability for people like you to be as generous as you were, not just with money, but with things like um, uh, uh, school supplies and donated food and, and Christmas toys and hours spent volunteering. And I could go on and on and on, but suffice it to say, it is not normal for a church to not just survive, but to thrive the way that God has chosen to allow us in the past few months. And as staff members, we get a front row seat to see this happen. We get to hear these stories day in and day out. And so we just thought it would be appropriate before we look ahead and before we share how we believe God is leading us in the future, we think it would be appropriate to just stop and share some of those stories and praise and worship our faithful God. And hear me when I say this, I'm gonna share some of these stories, some statistics that we've seen in the past year. It has little to nothing to do with the leaders here or our strategies, or our organization. In fact, we find that God often moves in spite of us, but it has everything to do with you guys, with the men and women and the students and the children that call hope home and that have decided to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God has used you in so many ways, ways that you might not even know about, ways that I'm gonna share right now, but just so you guys know, this is not a time where we are praising the name of Hope Community Church. May the name of hope be forgotten forever and the name of Jesus Christ be lifted high. This is what God has done in just the past 12 months. 
we have seen 28 women find hope and healing after sexual abuse through our MEND ministry. Four of the leaders that led that class this go around were former participants themselves. They found hope, now they're offering healing to other people. This year, 230 people, which includes first responders and their families have been helped through our NC LEAP program. This ministry helps them, through, uh, helps them through their acute and accumulated trauma that they've experienced in the line of duty. In just the past 10 years, we've been able to help 702 first responders, and this ministry has changed their marriages and their families and their lives. Uh, this year, we invited 60 pastors here in Raleigh and from 18 different cities here so that we could love on them, encourage them, and lift up the unity of churches in our city and in our state. In the past 12 months alone, 175 couples have gone through our re-engage class for married couples. They have recommitted to their marriages. They have renewed their vows. 186 guests uh, joined us for our Night to Shine event where we get to love on and celebrate all of our friends with special needs. In the past 12 months, 200 people have attended an online class, which means these are people taking steps in their walk with Jesus Christ. And you may not know this, but every single week, 1,200 households attend our online weekend services here in the Triangle and all over the world. A 2,700 people step foot in one of our physical campuses for the very first time. 16,000 people, not households, but individuals attend our online weekend service every single week. 375,000 people have been told about the love that their savior has for them through our social media. 7,590 people in desperate need of food were gifted that food for them and for their family through your generous donations. In fact, you gave in the past 12 months over 109,000 pounds of food. That's over 50 tons. And here's where it gets real cool because we are all about we're all about reaching not just us, but the next generation. In the past 12 months, 312 new students have entered into our student ministry environments. That's middle schoolers and high schoolers who are trying to find their identity and are looking for a place to belong. 417 families have visited Kid City for the very first time so we can rally around them and partner with them as they raise their children. 673 precious kids have attended Hope for the very first time and been loved on by the large group leaders and the small group leaders. 1,000 people have connected to a small group in a world that has just been isolated and lonely. They have found a family, they have found a community. And here's the best statistic of all. In the last 12 months, 200 people have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ or gone public with their faith. Isn't that amazing? Let's stand at all of our campuses in this room right now. Let's stand and give God a round of applause because he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. That's not us, that's you guys. That's not us praising hope, that's us praising God. Isn't that amazing? You guys can have a seat. And as amazing as that is, the Bible says that we serve a God who can do immeasurably more than anything that we could ever ask or imagine. Which means when we go to him in prayer this year, looking to the future, we say, God, would you do this? He'll say, yes, but I can do more. Well, then would you do this? Yes, but I can do more. So we don't believe that God is done. 
we don't believe that we've seen even a fraction of what he can do in us and through us for the good of the people in our city and all over the world. And so we're leading with big faith. We're believing God for big things in the months and years to come. And in a moment, Jason Gore is gonna share about that. Christian my whole life. Very skeptical about the Bible. God can never love 2020 someone. was the worst year of my Both life. Both pregnancies ended in miscarriage. If hell is real, I was definitely... We certainly were not practicing of Christians. The marriage was... When I finally went to hope, I was brutally broken. Post-Christian, as I've been It married. was everything I could do to keep from falling to my knees. I wanted to see if any millennials were still passionate about their faith. I still have a long way to go. Every day is getting better and We better. knew that God was with us. And our girls were living there. I was restored and made whole. Made whole by the Holy Spirit. Ever since, we've been all in with Hope. Hope welcomed me with loving openness. The amazing people at Hope love me when I, when I couldn't even love myself. God has changed our lives through Hope Community Church. You all have changed my life. Changed my life. Forever. Our lives are truly blessed, and we are so thankful for Hope. Looking back, Looking back, God has changed our life through Hope Community Church. Looking forward, I want to be a blessing to others blessing to the way Hope was a blessing to me. Looking forward, I'm so excited to see where God leads me next. Man, it is so great to celebrate even a fraction of what it is that God has done in the life of Hope Community Church over the last year. And I tell you, that's really just scratching the surface. That doesn't include the over $100,000 that you all generously gave towards launching our Fostering Hope ministry here at Hope so we can invest in foster families and the foster care system in and around the triangle. It has this to say nothing of the efforts that we have going on through our global hope ministry and ministry happening all over the world. So I hope you all understand the impact that you're making and that you are truly reaching the triangle and changing the world. Now we spent some time looking backwards. Equally important is looking forward. You know, Proverbs 29, it tells us that where there is no vision, the people will perish. And so it's imperative that we look forward to what God has for us. But, but I want to be real with you just for a moment. And I want to talk to you about a tension that I've had for about the six, for the last six to 12 months. And it has to do with the last half of that verse where it says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. And the tension has been around this. When I stop and I just stand still for a moment and I look out at what's going on uh, in the world around us, it's very easy to come to a place where you think, man, it, it seems like there are some people that are perishing. And so it, it raises this tension inside of you. And if you look around, you look at the statistics right now around mental and emotional and spiritual health. You look at the statistics right now around addiction and depression and suicide. Not to mention, it used to kind of feel like that was people over there, like it was their thing. But now this is our family, our loved ones, our friends. I mean, these statistics, these are our children now. So things are starting to hit a little bit closer to home. And then there's this idea of a biblical worldview. And if you don't know what a biblical worldview is, that, that's really the extent to which men, women, and students think and live biblically. It's the way that the, the, to, the, to the lengths that men, women, and students actually know and love and follow the ways of Jesus. And that worldview is being deconstructed by the day. And, and it's happening right in front of us in some ways that we see in TV and in movies and on the news. It's also happening in ways that we don't see. And that tension leads me to a place of saying, and, and I believe it probably takes you a place of saying, God, what, what are you going to do in the midst of where we find ourselves? And as church leaders, Really around the country for the last couple of years, we started out saying, man, if we could just find creative ways to get people back to church. 
then a move, man, if we could just find some ways to just hunker down and wait this thing out so that things can get back to normal as if now there's like ever going to be a new normal. Uh, or as if the, the new normal, as if the old normal was ever good enough to begin with. And so as I've sat in this, it's taken me to a place of just wondering, what would happen? What if we all came back to church and it still wasn't enough? And not just at hope, right? What if, what if we all came back to all the churches around the triangle and it still wasn't enough? Because last time I checked, there's somewhere north of 2 million uh, people who call the triangle home. I don't think we have enough room in all of our buildings, period. And so what that led me to is this thought. And it, I'm completely convinced of this, that, that the greatest liability for the church and therefore the greatest liability for the world is not the lack of people in a church building on Sunday, but rather the lack of men, women, and students who live and think and live biblically Monday to Sunday. And I say that again so we grab it. That's very important for us to understand. Uh, but the greatest liability for the church and therefore the world is not the lack of people in church in a church building on Sunday morning, but rather the lack of men, women, and students who think and live biblically Monday to Sunday, who are knowing and loving and following after the ways of Jesus. And if that's true, then as a church, you know, we have some work to do. And so we can sit back and say, God, what are you going to do? Or we can look to God's word. We can look to scripture. And I think what we find when we look to scripture is we see God tell us, yeah, 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 I've got a plan for that. I've got a plan for light in a dark place. And the answer is, it's, it's the church. The answer is the church. And so we're going to spend some time in the rest of our time together going through a passage of Scripture that has so impacted me over the last, I could say, 6 to 12 months. It's probably been the last 10 to 15 years, uh, if I'm honest, and what it means to be a group of people that are trying to follow after what God has for us, but living in a world that we know is not, it, we know it's not as it should be. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. We're going to spend some time in Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll put the verses on the side screen if you don't have it. Uh, many of us are probably familiar with this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's like this bumper sticker verse. You know, everybody likes to read it and look at it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, plans not to harm you, but plans for you to have a hope and a future. Plans, plans to prosper you. And all of us love that, right? We want to claim that verse. But what happens is we kind of miss some of the context and the, and the things that are really prerequisites to that, that we need to actually own ourselves before we can live into that promise. And so we're going to take a look uh, at those together. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background, what's going on in the book of Jeremiah? You have Jeremiah, who is a prophet, and what that, all that means really, all that means, uh, sorry, Jeremiah, uh, what that means is uh, this is someone who speaks to God's people on behalf of God, all right? And when we pick up in this story, uh, he is talking to God's people, the Israelites, uh, who have been exiled. They've been taken out of their homeland in Jerusalem, where in Jerusalem, they believed that they could, they could know, they could live their lives the way that God had created them and called them to live. They've been exiled out of that into a faraway land called Babylon, which to them was a dark place. And we don't have time to get into it, but I assure you, uh, lives their lives as a part of their culture in just about any way and every way that is different than the way that God would design. So they're in a world that they know is not as it should be. And so it's in that that I want us to pick up. And we're going to start with verse 4. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem, to Babylon. I think we got to just stop there for a minute and just recognize God is saying to the exiles that I have sent from 
Jerusalem and to Babylon. And I think a lot of times we get, it's important to recognize as, as humans, we get in these difficult spots and we think, how in the world do we get here? And when in the world is God going to take us out? You got to realize God's not in heaven right now, like totally surprised and shocked about what's going on in front of us in 2021. And so you'd say, okay, well, why does God do that? For any number of reasons, it tells us in James that God allows us to experience trials for the development of our faith. Oftentimes, and I think this is what we're going to see in the text, he allows, he has to intentionally allow the light to be in dark places. And we as the church are meant to be that light. So let's just see what he says. This is what God would say to a group of people who are living in a world that we know is not as it should. Verse five, build houses and live in them. Some translations say build houses and settle down and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of your sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and daughters. Okay, so now we're, it, this isn't an overnight thing, right? We've got generations here. We, got, we get married, we have kids, then they have kids and it says, and let them get married that they may bear sons and daughters. So now we're talking about grandkids and multiply there and do not decrease. Verse seven, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. So God's speaking to this group of people. They're in a place they don't want to be in a world that they know isn't the way it should be. And they're thinking, man, when can we get out of this place? And this is what God says. Hey, pack a lunch. Okay. Because you might be here for a while. And in fact, he says, build houses. You know, there's this, um, you know, there's this mentality if you read leadership books and if you oversee people, it tells you, you want to build into people to where they would uh, want to view your company and your way of life uh, as an owner, not a renter. And that's because we know if we're renting something, we might not take as good a care of it. But man, if you're going to build a house in a neighborhood because you're planning to be there for a while, you're going to treat things a little bit differently. He's saying, listen, I want you to live here like you're going to be here for a while. And I want you to put down roots, like literal roots, like plant a garden so that they go down on the ground and you have to stay here and you're going to eat the produce. So you're going to invest a little bit differently. Your mentality is going to be different. So he says, put down roots, plan on being here for a while. Then he says, get married, have kids, be thinking about this. You're going to have kids. They're going to get married. Uh, you're going to have grandkids in this, in this place. Then he says, and multiply there. Whatever you do, don't decrease. And that call to multiply, that's not just like a numerical physical thing. He's saying multiply out the way of life that you know that you had in Jerusalem, but multiply that out here. Don't let that decrease. And he says, by all means, the way to do that, the lens that he gives us, the framework for that is our families. He said, by all means, do not neglect or forget the value of our families. God's heart from the beginning of time, it's always been for families to thrive and for our families to be the foundational place for our faith to live and grow and thrive. So focus on your families. And number three, he says, seek the welfare of your city. In fact, he says, pray for the peace and the prosperity. Pray for the peace and the welfare of your city. That's a bit convicting in and of itself. A lot of times like, man, how do we have a healthy church? How do we grow a church? How do we... We don't take the time to actually pray for our communities. But he goes on to say, seek the welfare of your city because when it prospers, you will prosper. That word welfare, um, that it's actually a, a bigger word than that. It's kind of, it, it's alluding to this Old Testament word called of shalom, which it's really talking about the completeness of humanity and creation is in the way that it was intended. He's saying, you know what creation is supposed to be. You know what this world's supposed to be like as I've created it. And so seek the holistic welfare of where I've placed you because as that begins to come to life, you will experience it. 
And so he's saying, don't hold on to the hope that you have just to yourselves, but take the hope that you have and take it out in the world. And so many times as a group of people, we find ourselves, we're just like, man, I wish this thing would just blow over. What's going to happen? How is God going to move? And God's saying, no, 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 don't, please don't forget. You were made for this moment. I set you in motion as the church to be a light in a dark place. And so there's three things I think we pull from this text. And we're gonna, I'm just going to highlight these. And then we're going to look at four things that is leadership we think we must focus on moving forward as a church. Uh, the three things are this. Number one, when God has you in a place that you know is not as it should be, which we all would agree we're in. He says, put down roots. Plan on being there for a while. All right. Let's live life as owners, not renters. Put down roots. Secondly, he says, build healthy, strong, God-honoring families. And lastly, he says, Invest in your communities. Invest in your cities. And so as this tension has been building for myself and then for us, our elders, for our leadership here as a staff, we've just been going before God in prayer and saying, God, what would you have us do? We've got this big vision. This is we're going to reach the triangle and change the world. We're going to do that through our mission of loving people where they are and encouraging them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But what does that look like through this lens of being a light in a dark place? And so we have stacked hands. We believe that God has given us four things that we must do as a church moving into 2022 and beyond. And so I'm just going to share those with you. We're going to talk about what that's going to look like lived out in our church. Number one, we must strengthen the core of families by investing in marriages, parenting, and youth. Uh, I assume you know this, uh, but if you don't, I'm just going to say it. The world right now is working overtime to tear apart the fabric of the biblical family. And uh, it's coming at us from a lot of different angles. And if we as the church don't stand up and if we don't serve, if we don't teach and if we don't lead towards what it is that God's word says is true of us as men, as women, as fathers, uh, as mothers, as sons, as daughters. And what that biblical frame, if we don't point our church and our communities to that, nobody else is going to do it. And we have a responsibility to do that. And we need it more in the church. We need it more in the community. We need it more in our schools right now than we ever have before. So that's why we do things like the series that we just had, House of Cards. All right, so if you missed that and, and you're part of a family, which that's all of us, uh, you should go back and take a look at that. It's why we have our marriage ministry. It's why we do re-engage. Uh, some people tend to think that re-engage around hope, it's just a place that you go if you're on the verge of divorce. That's not the case, okay? Re-engage is set up for anybody who wants their marriage to thrive. And so just know that that is here and it's a resource for you. It's why we invest so much in our student ministry and our Kid City ministry. It's why we work and partner with schools through things like our homework club and book bag buddies through our local hope ministry. It's, it's why that we're doubling down on what it, the resources that we're providing for parents moving forward. Which, by the way, uh, if you are a parent, you should write down this date, January 29th. All right, we are having our next level parenting conference. We're going to be having it at our Apex campus. Three things we're going to be focusing in on at that conference. Know your role, know your kid, and build your team. What does that mean? So you're going to learn your role, your biblical role as a parent. What is that role? How do we live it out? Number two, uh, know your kid. What phase are they in? what things are happening in their lives psychologically, chemically. And let's be honest, we know sometimes it doesn't always feel like it's healthy, but what is going on? And then third, build your team. Um, I was talking to a family, uh, a couple families out here in the atrium just before the service started. But whether you know it or not, a time will come if you have kids in your life where, I know this is hard to believe for some of us, but our voice will not be the primary voice that they want to listen to in life. 
And so it's absolutely essential that we are intentional in building a team, an intentional strategic team around our children that will love them where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk through some ways that you can do that. But as a church, we must continue to strengthen the core families. Secondly, we must equip and empower the church to live as missionaries in a new world. You could say, or to live as Jesus, to live on Jesus's mission in a new world. Well, what does that mean? That sounds kind of scary. Uh, in a new world, I thought a missionary was somebody that left one place to go live in another culture, and then they learn that culture and figure out what it means to, to point people towards the hope of Jesus in their context. That's exactly what it is. And I don't know if you know this, but the world around us is changing more quickly than many of us realize. And so we have to be so intentional about making sure that we're actually living out Jesus' mission in our current context. And so, uh, well, what does that mean, living out Jesus' mission? I've said this, I think, three or four times already, but our mission here at Hope, uh, it's to love people where they are and then to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. What that's meant for us here at Hope primarily um, is how the way that we love people where they are is how we do our weekend services. Okay, we, we create an environment that when someone comes in here or if you bring a guest in here who doesn't know who Jesus is, you just know, you can have confidence. They're gonna feel welcome. Uh, they're gonna understand what's going on. They're probably gonna hear some music. They're like, oh, I, I kind of like this music. Or man, I've heard that song on the radio. I didn't know churches did things like that. They're gonna hear some teaching that's, that's biblically based, but it's practical. Like they understand it and they know how to apply it to their lives. And really as much as anything, they're going to leave and they're gonna wanna come back, all right? Hear me say this, that is who we are and we love that about hope and that's not changing, okay? That is who we are. We believe that the weekend is, it's valuable for evangelism, like to tell people about Jesus. So if you're here and you don't know anything about Jesus, we're just glad you're here and we hope you can find something that's valuable for you in life. We also think it's valuable for equipping and encouraging you as the church to go out and be the church. But if you pay any attention to what sociologists or behavioral scientists tell you, uh, they would tell you that right now there are less and less people that are waking up on Sunday morning and saying, you know what I need to do today? I just need to find a church to go to. Like I need to get up early. I need to get my kids up earlier than I need to, feed them breakfast early, and then put them in the car, drive to a place that I'm gonna probably be for 60 to 75 minutes, which by the way, most people don't do anything for 60 to 75 minutes straight anymore. And I'm gonna go be around a group of people that I don't know if I can trust to learn about a God that I don't even know if I believe exists. That's our current reality right now. That's the world that we live in. And, and so 10 years ago, it was different. There were a lot of people that grew up in the church and they just, man, it didn't seem relevant. So they're going to go away. But then they move away and then they start a family. They have kids and they think, man, I grew up in church. I should probably get back to church. So they look for a church that seems relevant. Um, now you just have more and more people that are growing up without a Judeo-Christian worldview. They didn't grow up in church. And so the question used to be, hey, I wonder what God is like. Right now, people just aren't thinking about God at all. Very different world. As a result of that, if that's true, if that is true, and we continue to only invest our resources primarily in a one hour a week weekend service, we will become irrelevant to a lost world faster than we realize. And that means that more of our family members, more of our neighbors, more of our friends, more of our coworkers will go through life not knowing the hope that they have in Jesus, and that's unloving. 
That cannot happen on our watch. And so what does that mean? Well, what that means is all of us together alongside of our weekend services are going to have to learn what it means to live out our mission of loving people where they are and encouraging them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ outside of the walls of our physical campuses. All right. And so that could sound intimidating to you and it, it, it might be. But I want to tell you, when the first time that you go through life and you recognize uh, that that helping someone come to put their hope in Jesus and to experience a breakthrough in their own life as a result. And you realize that's not just for paid for professionals up on a stage. It will be the most life-giving thing that you've ever experienced. And that's because that's what you were made to do. And to sell you on anything less than that in your walk with Jesus is to sell the whole thing short. That is what we're called into as followers of Jesus. And we've got to step up as the church and do that. Third, similar to the second, we must meet the needs of our community before they come to us. You could say that differently. We've got to meet, we must meet the needs of our community regardless of church attendance. Whether you know it or not, every single one of us have vulnerable women, men, and children who live in our communities all around the triangle. The church is called to meet the needs of the least of these. So we've got to step up and do that. Uh, we have to do this collectively. We also have to do it individually. What do you mean collectively? So, at Hope, we've got these campuses, right, these buildings, the Raleigh campus here where, where we are now. We have the Apex campus. We have a Morrisville campus. We have to find a way to better leverage our facilities to meet the unique needs of each community. We got to figure it out. I don't know some of you may have been here a year or so ago, and we talked about this idea of having a Hope Center in southeast Raleigh, Garner side of town, that was just set up where we could meet the needs of the community. And people know if they went there, there were things there to meet their needs. The idea is, how do we ensure that all of our campuses actually become that? And so we have to start thinking of our, our buildings more as community hubs that meet the needs of the community that a church just happens to meet at on Sundays versus hey, this is a church building that every now and then we do some things to meet the needs of our community. So there's some things that we're stumbling on right now. I look forward to telling you about those in 2022, but we've got to continue to move in that direction. Individually, we've got some work to do there. Obviously, we don't all live in the same community just because we have a campus there, right? We do have people that live in Apex. We do have people that live in Raleigh. We do have people that live in Morrisville and Garner, but some of us also live in Clayton. We live in Holly Springs. We live in Fuquay. We live in West Cary. We live in North Raleigh. We live in Durham. We live in Chapel Hill. Lord knows we need Christians up in Chapel Hill. I mean, UNC's up there and, you know, they got, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Listen, there are people that go to this church that live in Chapel Hill and they are some of the most on fire followers of Jesus. Um, but yeah, I'm a state grad. So got to throw that in there. Here's my point. Please notice that I said there are cities that we live in where we don't have physical campuses. The reason why we have to note that is because the mission that we're on is the church. If we're supposed to seek the welfare of our communities, it actually, in God's word, it has nothing to do with buildings. It has everything to do with people. And so what we have to do is we have to be willing to go out and find the unique needs where we can uniquely contribute in our communities and meet those needs. I'll tell you, for me, it's very, very simple. I serve as a youth sports coach. I'm the offensive coordinator for North Garner Middle School, and I coach uh, the youth wrestling club at NC State. And I don't tell you that. And the reason I do that is just because I know there's young men and young women that need a positive role model in their life. And look, I'm not a perfect coach. There are some of the people that coach with me that go to the church. You could, they would be more than happy to tell you that I have shortcomings. I don't want you to ask them because there's things I don't want you to know about me because you might not want me to still be your pastor. But that's a true story. 
but it's a real thing. So it's just figuring out what are you uniquely gifted to do. Um, I got a text message this past week that I want to share with you just to give you another, another example. Um, so this is uh, out of our Garner campus, which meets at Garner High School. Uh, it says, a few weeks ago, the teachers at Garner High were assuming that they would have to leave 20 homeless students' needs unmet because they could maybe cover the other 20 themselves. So there's four, 40 under-resourced families at Garner High School that the teachers were trying their best to put together stuff because when they go home for Christmas, they don't get the normal food that they get from the school. They did not consider asking us. They did not assume that we would not help. They just didn't consider asking. Well, thankfully, there's a couple of teachers at Garner High School that now attend our Garner campus. And so those teachers uh, just happened to reach out and let us know. We just happened to overhear that they were trying to do this through a small group. And so in two days, the Garner campus small groups pulled 40 meal boxes together. Each box has a value of around $50. There are other things still being gathered, gifts, hygiene items, et cetera. But this is what the church can and should do all the time. And the community should know that we will. That's what we're talking about. I mean, could you imagine if we had small groups of people in and around the community that were just a wild bunch of folks <laughs> that were wildly committed to loving people where they are and encouraging them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and saying, we are going to meet the needs of our community. Small group leaders, listen to me. If you were a small group leader, uh, I believe that we need to apologize to you and repent because we've said things in the past like, hey, to be a small group leader, all you got to do is open up your home and be willing to host a Zoom meeting from time to time. If you've led a small group, nothing could be further from the truth. But more importantly, if we're going to live out this mission and vision, this type of vision that we're talking about, if we're going to seek the welfare of our communities together, we have a responsibility to equip and empower you like never before. And so let's, I want you to know that's coming. And small group leaders, I want you to know we realize that you are the backbone of our church being the church that God's called us to be. All right, fourth, last one. We must mobilize the church by leveraging online platforms. Oh, you hear that? You wait, a, wait a minute. I, where was that in Jeremiah? What did they say about online? There was no internet back then. Okay, so just give me a break here for a minute. This falls more under number two. When we say we're going to equip and empower the church, we're going to equip and empower the church in a new world. And uh, I don't know if you, I'm sure that you know a lot of things about what's going on in the world around you. But one thing I know for sure is every person on the planet expects to be able to get anything in their life that is meaningful that they want to pay attention to sent right here. All right. And few things that people stay engaged with last 60 to 75 minutes. And so what that means is we as the church have to find a way to get our mission of loving people where they are and encouraging them to grow in a way that people are used to digesting and consuming information, which is in real time whenever they want it and on demand and in bite-sized pieces. And so as the church, we can sit back here and say, listen, technology, you know, that's not for the church. We need, we need, to, we need to make sure that people are getting together. And so when people need Jesus, they'll come to us. I don't buy it, man. I don't buy it. And I'm not saying that technology and digital space is more important or more valuable than coming together in person. But I'm saying that if we're serious about loving people where they are, we cannot neglect that the church overall is behind the eight ball and what it means to encourage people. And so what if that meant that we had two to three minute videos on our Facebook or on Instagram that you all just knew it was there for you or on YouTube, that you all knew was there for you and hopefully it encouraged you, but you also could then turn around and then share that with somebody else, see whether it's on your Facebook wall or maybe you just send somebody a text and say, hey, this meant something to me today. Maybe you should check it out. Um, 
maybe we, there's an app, which I will tell you, we are in the brainstorming process of figuring this out. What does it look like to have an app that you can just pick up in the morning when you're having your cup of coffee or in the afternoon after you put it, evening, don't drink wine in the afternoons. In the evening, you have a glass of wine after you put your kids to bed. And you say, you know what I want to do? I want to grow as a dad as a husband, as a wife, as a mom. I want to figure out how to be a better steward of my resources and maybe get out of debt. And there's just a tab that you can click and it self-populates a growth path that's there and it's digestible for you and understandable verbiage. It's not intimidating. But how can we better encourage you in a way that you're used to consuming information and then equips you to have resources to be able to share with other people around you in the community in a way that they're used to digesting and consuming information and encouragement? This is a lot of things that we've got to make sure that we're moving forward. But we, we must mobilize the church by leveraging online platforms. Okay. Listen, I, um, I said when we started this talk, I said there is a world around us that if you stop and pay attention, it, it looks like it's perishing. And um, here's the thing. It's, it's not us and them. It's really just us. It's all us. And it says, seek the welfare of your community. Seek the shalom. Seek the holistic health and well-being of your community because in that you will experience the shalom, the health, the well-being. It's not us and them. It is us. It's our families. It's our community. So we have two options. We can sit down and we can think, man, I hope this gets better and I hope God does something, which hope is a great name for a church. It's it's. It's a good thing to have. It's usually a bad strategy, though, by itself. Or we can look to God's word. We can look to scripture. We can remember and remind ourselves that God said, yeah, 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 I know it's a dark place. But you were made for this. You are the church. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Take this light out into a dark place. And so we're talking about big things, right? We're talking about how do we reorient our campuses and maybe even redesign aspects of our campuses because it would better meet the needs of our community. How do we, how do we get into a digital space more prominently where you can more regularly be encouraged and in information that's valuable for you that you can share with other people? How do we set you up to meet the unique needs of the community? But for us to do that as a church, it's gonna take sacrifice, it's gonna take commitment, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to take resources that aren't here right now. And you'll hear more about that in 2022. But I want you to hear me say this. The better that we finish 2021 financially, the faster we'll be able to chase after some of these things. And so that, that is a call to action if you're listening. We've got to make sure that we finish 2021 on as solid a foundation as we possibly can. But listen, I know it's December and this isn't really a Christmas message. But this is the time of year where we stop and we pause and we remember and we reflect that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was willing to leave the comfort of heaven to come down to this earth so that we could have hope. And I want you to hear me say, I hope that as a family this year, you take the time to reflect on that. Maybe even just to sit in silence. Could you imagine a family that just got together and said, we're going to sit in silence together and reflect on what it means that Jesus came to earth. So please take the time to do that. Like you can get started tonight. We're, we're having our night of wonder here at the Raleigh campus. But my prayer is that as you do that, 
And as you recognize what Jesus did, that we would be compelled together as a people to be willing to set aside some of our comforts, to go into the world and take the hope that we have in Jesus out where it's needed. I want us to ask the question like never before. What does it mean to seek the welfare? What does it mean to seek the prosperity of our cities? And I know you've got, we've got like, we've talked about some big high level things. And I know there's some people in here like, so, okay, so what can I do? What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, for those, let me just give you a couple practical things you can do. Number one, leading into Christmas, take some time, like right away before the weekend's over. Sit down as a family and just ask yourselves, what is one thing that we can do to strengthen our family heading into the Christmas season? Just ask the question. Secondly, what is one thing that we can do to invest in another family in our community heading into Christmas? Just ask the question. If you're looking for some low-hanging fruit, uh, we're looking to serve 3,000 children this year through our toy store. All right. So the deadline to bring those toys back is tomorrow morning, Monday, December 6th at 9 a.m. Um, Target's right around the corner. So as a family, you can go pick up a toy, bring it back here. Let's bring that to life. But even more so, who's a family that you know personally? Something that you can do then invest. But together, let's seek the welfare, the shalom, the holistic, as God intended, well-being for our communities. Church, 2022 is going to be a big year. We can be the church that Jesus came down to earth to set in motion. We can reach the triangle and change the world. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand together, okay? I want this to be a moment that we remember as the church. And so I'm gonna pray in a moment. And so if you're listening to this online, if you're listening to this podcast or at any other campus, I want you to stand. If you're listening to this later in a podcast in your car while you're driving, I don't want you to stand up. I want you to keep driving and be safe, all right? Maybe you can pull over and stand up. But we're going to pray together. <clears throat> Father, we recognize and we celebrate what it is you have done through our church over the last year. The, the last 12 months, 24 months has been absolutely crazy for so many of us on so many different levels. And in some ways, it feels like we're playing defense and we're playing catch up. And Lord, it is time to turn the tables and to go on the offense and to take your love and your hope out into the world like never before. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom, you would give us clarity, you would give us direction, you would give us passion, you would give us zeal. Lord, help us to, even when we're tired, to invest in our families in the way that you call us to. Help us to commit to putting down roots in our community and loving our neighbors and investing in our neighborhoods and in our communities and our cities like never before. God, we thank you in advance for what it is that you are going to do that it's more than we could think to imagine or ask through the power of your spirit. And we celebrate, we thank you in advance, and we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, Go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.